Hello and welcome back to the TTB, Tatani Talks Parsha. This year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Of course, we're coming to the end of Shemos. We're in Vayakel, almost there, Pekude. Next week we finish off Sefer Shemos, God willing. But also remember, you could help us grow the shows, grow the vision, grow the idea, the chesedfun.com, 1S slash Tani Chesedfun, 2S slash the Tani Talks Podcast. Come join us on jewishpodcast.fm where we are hosting the premier website for Jewish podcasting. Sign up at jewishpodcast.fm or shoot me an email. I'm happy to help you as well. Maximum TEE at Yahoo. We're also on NikkiRadio.com, awesome Jewish kosher internet radio. You could get your player today. You could sign up to channels today, NikkiRadio.com. So this season, as we look at different Parsha, we like to look at the name of the Parshas and see different things that we could try to glean, we could try to understand, we could try to bring with us week to week to week. I was thinking about the name Vayakhel, and I was thinking about coming together, Vayakhel, coming together you know, the idea there is a mitzvah in the in the, the Torah talks about of, of Hakel. And we actually have a song from Eitei Hakel. It's a very interesting song. But basically, every seven years around Sukkos, the whole Jewish people would come together. Everyone, including babies and the like, the families were enjoined and entrusted to bring their children specifically so that they could give reward to the parents. You could also teach the children to come together to hear the, the king reading from the Torah, everyone gathering together, everybody coming together. The question, of course, becomes why do the parents bring them? And as we mentioned a second ago, because it's to give reward to the parents and also for the children to learn. There was actually a sage in the Talmud, the Gemara, the Talmud points out, his mother would bring him to the study hall when, when the baby, when the, when the, when the sage was actually a tiny, tiny baby, an infant, a newborn in the crib, and in the, whatever they had back in the days, if they had strollers or I don't know what they used, maybe wood, that they would bring it to the Talmud. And the question, they bring it to the study hall. The question again is why? Because she wanted, the mother wanted him to soak up the sounds of the base measures, to soak up the sounds of the sages. And of course, he became a great sage later in life. I don't know if it was diffusion or osmosis or whatever, the learning going into him, but he heard it, he liked it. It's also interesting, the idea, you know, they say that the Malach learns with the Jewish child in the womb and presses the the spot under the nose in between the, the mouth and makes that little indentation to kind of quote-unquote forget Torah knowledge. But it, interestingly, a lot of times throughout our lives, we'll hear a piece of Torah, we'll listen to Torah, and we'll say, that sounds very familiar, but I never heard it before. It could be that we were already exposed to it. We already learned about it with the Malach in the womb in utero, and we just remember it or sort of relearn it throughout life. And the question also becomes, why does Hashem have the Malach teach the whole Torah to the child if he's going to make the child forget it? And the answer could be, the commenters explain that it so that you get you know, kind of introduced to the Torah, accustomed to the Torah, and involved in the Torah. Kind of the idea that if the water is a little hot, we just check one limb at a time and see if you're ready for it, and then you jump in the water when it's ready. Lahavdil, the opposite effect, the evil effect, was when the Jewish people came out of the Mitzrayim and Amalek attacked the Jewish people. The the commentators, I believe, Rashi explains that it was like the the person jumping into scalding hot water, making the water less hot for everyone else. So that's a very negative aspect. But a positive aspect is that when we learn the Torah, when we're inside, Hashem allows us that we could receive it a little better as we grow up. Also, the idea of the sage being brought to the study hall by his mom. Also, the idea of everyone coming together at the hakel, coming together to hear 
words of Torah from the Jewish people, from the king himself every seven years. And the idea becomes, what can we do in our lives? What can we do for the Jewish people to be sort of a hakel, to sort of come together? How could we all come together? How could we unite? How could we do things to, to gather together? This Parsha talks about how they actually made the different elements of the Mishkan. Many different Parshas talk about and delve upon how you should make this, you should make that, you should set up this, you should set up that. And when it comes to the end of Parshas of the Shmos, it actually comes and they actually did do all of these things. Moshe gathering together the Jewish people, understanding, telling them to understand how to make these things. You work for six days, but no working on Shabbos. Why is that mentioned? To show that Shabbos overrides the making of the Mishkan, to show it's connected. Anything done in the Mishkan can't be done on Shabbos. The 39 Malachos are learned out from the Mishkan because of that. And understanding you can't make the fires on Shabbos. We all know different ways of going about Shabbos. There are very cool products, by the way, from GE itself. Shout out to them. We got a new fridge and we use Zmont Technologies. I love how it connects and has special Shabbos mode. There's also an oven that connects with special Shabbos mode built in. GE was the only company that I know of that specifically went to the OU, went to the Jewish people and sat down, had a meeting and made this brilliant technology to allow your kitchen to be more functional on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So we did that for the fridge one day. I'd love to to do that for the oven, but very cool idea. Talk about Los Savaro Ish, we see early on in the Parsham in Vayakel. So talking about the ideas of how, not only when you learn about something, how you're supposed to do it, but have to put it into fruition, have to put it together. You gather yourselves together, you gather your work together, you assemble the pieces together. Learning about something is great, but Pirkei says even better than learning about something is putting it into practice, putting it into fruition, putting it into motion, allowing it to actually come to life, allowing it to come to real life existence. Someone who learns, wrote to Lil Mode, we're gonna give him Hashem is gonna give him the ability to learn and to do, but some and to and to put in practice for himself. But someone who really wants to affect others, what's a Lil Mode, Lishmar, Laos, or Lakayim, that's someone that can really accomplish a lot because the Torah is not for the hermit. It's not for someone that's meant to just be in college, just to be in base measures twenty four seven. You're supposed to put it into in fruition. How can you answer after hundred and twenty years did you do your business dealings honestly if you never left the study hall? You never left your home ever. How can you say, I had such an urge to get, to take an extra $5 from the client if you never involved yourself with the client, never involved yourself with the world? How could you say, I made a sanctification of the world if you never were in the world? There's so many missiles that involve us in the world, make us try to f- gather ourselves together to apportion ourselves into the world. It, we're going to be asked many questions after 120 years. We've talked about this before. Did you make time every day to study Torah? Not 100 hours a day, but did you make time every day, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours? Did you wait for Mashiach every single day? Did you do your business honoring, honoring the, your business interactions honestly? And did you try to have children? And other people say, did you live up to your full potential? And there's some other questions they might ask, but these are the fundamental questions. So when Hashem gives the task to Moshe, teaches them how to make the instruments, how to make the implements for the Mishkan, that's one aspect. That's why it repeats it in the in the Torah that they actually did all that Hashem told Moshe. Because sometimes you might tell someone something, 
he might give it over, but it falls in deaf ears. It goes in one ear, out the other. How often do we give advice? Do we tell people stuff that would be good to do, but it doesn't get done? Some people are not much doers. I'm a very big doer. I try to be a very big doer. Sometimes we tell things it doesn't go through. So if you're given the stuff, it's one thing to be told how to make the things in the Mishkan, but it's another thing to actually gather together and put into action. Because sometimes things aren't put into action. The Torah testifies that each thing was actually done. They gathered in. They made sure to do each thing. And Bitzal and Alhiyav was in charge of putting everything together. What's fascinating is Bitzal himself was probably around 13 years old. The Torah testifies he was very young. He was a youth. Alhiyav probably also was young. And these were the two people that were instrumental in getting the Mishkan done. You know, Moshe Rabino is already going to be at the later point of his life, whether it's the beginning of the of the the 40-year sergeant in the desert, so if he's 80 or 85, very, very different than being 13 or 14. And the Torah trusts, Hashem entrusts these two youths to take care of the Mishkan, which is another lesson for us. Sometimes we think only the grown-ups, only adults, only the seniors of the community of the board can really make the decision. We're not going to listen to the students or anything like that. But here itself, the student, the youth, they were the ones in, instrumental in making the instruments, pun intended, of the Mishkan, of the existence of the Midbar. These two people who were so young, but so talented, so instrumental, so artistic, they leaned into their gleanings of what they could do in life. It's interesting, I just read today in Shar B'Tachon, when it comes to Emunah B'Tachon, we have to do our shtadlis to do our job. We have to gather ourselves together to try to see what we could accomplish in this world. But a person who is very mentally fit, but very physically weak, should not be going into a job that demands a lot of physical labor, but not any intellectual labor. Because Hashem put the idea, put the ability in each person of what they're supposed to do in life, what they're supposed to accomplish in life, what they're supposed to do. So when we think about what we're supposed to do in life, we're supposed to follow that. What is your passion? What is your love in life? What do you run to do? What do you feel drawn to do? I talk about this many times. I have no inclination to work with trains or to work with numbers. I love working with kids. Of course, I love audio and podcasts and recordings, and that's what I pursue. That's what I follow. That's what I run after. But a person who is very physically fit but not intellectually so fit, maybe it would be good for him to be a laborer. You know, back in the olden days, there were wood carriers and water schleppers, people that are very fit, like the Shimshons, people who are very, very strong. That's a good use of their might. That's a good use of their physical prowess, but to go and put them as an accountant in the office doesn't make any sense. Lahavda, Lahavda, Lahavda reminds me of the Incredibles, the kids movie where you have Mr. Incredible who's very, very strong, but he's he's squished into a tiny, tiny cubicle and he hates what he does selling life insurance. That's a person that's you know, a comical character, a fictional character, supposed to save the world, but you put him in an office selling insurance, that doesn't make any sense. You have the physical prowess being put into an intellectually demanding thing that doesn't make any sense, doesn't make a connection of what's supposed to be, what's supposed to happen. When we think about gathering ourselves in, putting our prowess into action, following what we're supposed to do, Chavos Havavos teaches us itself from Sharbi Tachon, follow the line of work that works for you. If you always felt a calling towards teaching, towards working with animals, towards recording or, or drawing, that should be something to follow. Not because your cousin or your great uncle wants you to be a doctor or a lawyer, businessman, when has no inclination for you, has nothing to do with what you want to do, it shouldn't be what you should be following. You should definitely work, do your shtadlis so that Hashem can send the parnasam, but if you're excellent with the cat, Camera, excellent with the microphone, then what are you doing working with numbers? I always say you got to follow what you're going to do and 
B'Tzal and al Haliyav were chosen to implement, to make this stuff in the Mishkan, even though they were so young. Maybe Davka because they were so young. Anyone who was involved to help, anyone who was able to help, Kol Chacham Lev, each person that had wisdom, had wisdom of heart, wisdom of mind, they were the people that were involved in helping out to make the Mishkan, gathering themselves to be involved in the Mishkan. They did exactly as Hashem said. Once He charged them, once He gave it to them what to do, they actually did it. Vayas, it says often throughout the Parsha, Vayas, Vayas, Vayas. Why? Because every single thing Hashem commanded, Vayas, they actually did it. You give the advice, but it was actually followed through. Oftentimes, things are not actually followed through. But here, in Vayakal, and as we go to Pekudi, you see so often in the Parsha, Vayas, this, Vayas, that. They did every single thing. They implemented everything, every single thing. It was complete and it was accomplished. They gathered themselves in to make sure that they come together. So you think about the idea of gathering in all the Jewish people combining to do what they can to use their talents, use their abilities to contribute to the world. All the Jewish people coming together to Hakel to hear from the Torah, even the little babies, even the tiny, tiny newborns and the sage that came to the study hall just to hear the words of Torah, to be involved in the words of Torah, to gather yourself into the Torah, to be involved in the Torah. We think about how everything is repeated to teach how each thing was implemented by Yas. Not just was it told, not just was it heard, but it was also put into fruition. Because sometimes we hear things, but we don't actually put it into fruition. Sometimes it goes in one ear, out the out the other one, go in one and out the other. But this teaches each thing was done, each thing was implemented, each thing was connected. So as you think about what you could do in your own life, what you could gather up for yourself, gather up for those around you, what you could contribute to the world, think about how these two youths, these little kids, these not even teenagers really, preteen, almost basically teenagers, as the Betzala and Aliyah were involved in using their talents, gathering themselves to help out implement everything. Moshe Rabina wasn't even implementing everything. These two were like the supreme artisans, the top artisans, the major players of putting into the Mishkan, and all call Chacham Leiv, anyone who had good wisdom of heart and wisdom of mind to contribute to help out. In our lives, too, we should gather ourselves together. What we could contribute to those around you, what we could talk to those about us we just talked about in the daf yesterday or today you also can benefit others by giving advice to fields of study or profession or talents that you yourself have not giving advice that has nothing to do with you nothing to do with your talents or your abilities you know if Batsal and Aliyah were so talented in artisanal work, they were able to help out in their artisanal way. But in other things, people had to go to other methods, to other people. Obviously, Moshe Rabbein himself and our own. But in our own lives, think about how you could gather yourself together, how you could gather your talents together. How could we all be gathered together to contribute to the whole that is the Jewish people? We talk about often how the Jewish people are like the spokes of a wheel. Everyone contributes. If one spoke is off, the whole wheel is off. How we're all in a boat together. If there's one hole in one spot of the boat, don't say, I'm not going to sink you. The whole boat will sink. We're all like one organism where every limb, every cell contributes. Everyone has what they could contribute. And that's why often throughout the Torah, everyone's on the same level playing field. It's not that one person is above the law, one person is below. They have more money, more power. Everyone is equally culpable. The king of the entire Jewish people to the regular water carrier, the levy to the Israel. Everyone is involved and it's incumbent on them. Some people might have more responsibilities that can have a few extra things and charges and obligations and mitzvahs, but by and by, the rest of the things throughout the Torah, everyone is involved. Everyone is gathered together, gathered involved to be culpable, which is so unlike modern society where some people think they're above this, above that. People think they're role models and they could get away with this, that, or the other thing. Not so in Judaism. Everyone comes together. Everyone gathers together. 
together? What can we do to contribute together, to come as a hakel, to gather together, to influence the world, to make it better every single day, little by little? Join us next time as we finish off, God willing, Sefer Shamos, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.